What's up, guys? It's Ace Coleman here with the Champion Blueprint Podcast, and today's guest is Matthias Fullerton. Matthias is from Denmark, and he just won his first World Cup. He also shot a 599 in Lausanne as part of the World Indoor Series, and he recently signed a multi-year contract with Trueball and Excel. So he's shooting their sights, scopes, releases, and stabilizers. So that's awesome, man. So first off, tell us about, you know, when did you smell the roses of the World Cup win? Like, was it instant or did it take you a few days for you to really get that vibe? Um, it took a little bit to like realize what, what I've actually done, rewatch the finals. Um, but it was just, it's something I dreamed of, dreamed of as like as a little kid, you know? So, and I feel like I've always just had that, like that in mind when I shot every single day, I thought, okay, hopefully one day I'll win a World Cup. And when it happened, it was just like, it kind of felt like you were dreaming. It's like, it's such a, it's such, such a weird feeling, like accomplishing one of your biggest dreams. Um, but yeah, it, it was definitely awesome all the way from just shooting the matches. And then to even now, I still look at it and get that feeling of like pure happiness. Your happiness. That's so. awesome. Yeah. So um with the 599 in Lausanne, tell me about like like your thought process for how you would do and then just how you performed and then going through your head-to-head matches. Yeah, so going into the first World Cup of the season is like kinda it's kinda a little more exciting than the other ones and kinda you don't really know what to expect because you don't know how your setup is going to react, how your nerves are, because it's kind of been a little bit off season from since shooting outdoors. So I feel like the first one, you don't really have any expectations, which can be good. Um, but I, I came in with the mindset of, you know, trying, trying to sh- do my best. And I'm really, I was hunting, I'm hunting for that 600, uh, like perfect score. Um so, you know, my mindset really going into it was just, yeah, try your best. It's the first one, see how your setup works. And, you know, I started out the the 60 arrows qualification and the bow just felt amazing. Like I could, as long as I kept pulling, pulling in my shot, you know, focusing on my, my back tension, it was, it was perfect. Like my shot rhythm was, my timing with my release was like perfect. So I was like, damn, I, I could clean this all, but then I had one arrow, which wasn't it felt like a good shot but it was just born in the nine i guess um just out a few millimeters but i was really satisfied it was 599 and i i think i was first with it like a two-point lead which is for indoors it's it's kind of a big big lead you know usually people are within one point um or even a couple people tied so and i feel like starting out the season with 599 is a great start you know I only need to improve one point to be perfect for the next one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that one point, man, is like <laughs> the learning curve is huge, mm-hmm. I'm sure. So, yeah. So, yeah. Um, what got you into archery in the first place? So, my dad used to shoot uh, Olympic recurve um, when he was younger, when he was my age, and he shot internationally too. And even he qualified for the Olympics, but got like boycott because I think there was some, I think USA and Russia had some conflicts and 
Mm. Some countries got boycotted. Um, then he kind of quit. But then, you know, he, I came to the world and he just shot a little bit for fun at the local range. And he brought me there when I was about like three, when I tried shooting first, could barely walk. And then a couple of years later, I, I was like, damn, I kind of want to try that again. And then I started shooting compound like 10 years ago. And I, I it was just fun. I was, I was playing golf at the time too. So it was mm. like indoor season I shot. And then when the yes. good weather came, I played a lot of golf and, I'd say I was pretty good at golf at that time, um, but also archery. So I was saying, like, what do I choose here to do all year round? And it came came down to archery, um, which, you know, that was what I had the passion for. And that's probably why I, you know, that's probably what made me, like, able to get really good at archery compared to golf. I maybe didn't have the same passion. I see. Awesome. So who is, or like, if you have multiple, who are your most important mentors that you've had as you've grown throughout the sport? I think shooting, it was mostly Stefan Hansen. I was looking a lot to up to because he was at that time I was young, he was winning everything. Um, then also Martin Dampspo, he was like, he, he used to coach me a little bit and you know he he's won a lot of stuff too here in Europe and everywhere pretty much and he's just he's he's a really good mentor like he he's like a knowledge bank you can ask him anything and he he knows yes he'll know it for sure and then also Braden Gelantine he was really good at that time it was kind of Stefan him and Mike battling um it's kind of those those three definitely and then also my dad was like a big mentor he he like kind of got me into the sport and he was always on the sideline when I needed help or when we kind of learned things together. Awesome. So for someone wanting to join the national team in Denmark, what do they need to do to be able to do that? So usually you have to compete at like an international event. Usually that's hard starts. At least for me, I went to my first international tournament in 2017 i think it was youth world championship in argentina and i was like 13 14 so it was, it was a crazy experience first time traveling alone and everything and then after that i got on the youth national team after that event because I, I did pretty good at the event so they got me on the team um and then for seniors seniors it was a couple of years later when i started having the points to go to the World Cups. And then I went to my first World Cup and they kind of qualified me for the national team as well. So it's kind of, it when, when you're ready for your first event, that's when they're going to put you on because they see potential in you. Um, you know, we're, we're, it's not, archery is not as big in Denmark as it is other places, but, you know, we have a lot of good, good shooters from Denmark. We, I don't know, we, uh, we have a really good like platform for, for like, um, like from from youth to pro is like we have like a, like a good way to getting to the top. I see. That's awesome. That uh, system in place, the the network of people, um, that's huge. So, um, that's mm -hmm. awesome. So, what's the significant challenge that you faced as you've been coming up from youth into pro? I think. 
consistency is the biggest thing in pro. You you can't make any mistakes when you 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 can make a couple of mistakes and get away with it. Or in pro, if you make a mistake, you're you're out most likely. Um, so a lot of a decent amount of juniors can can shoot a really good match. But they're just not as consistent when pro. You know, indoors you got to shoot one forty nine or one fifty or you're out. Um, and that that just doesn't happen in youth as much. Uh, you know, I'm still a junior. This is my last season as a junior, so I could still shoot youth. But I, you know, I the uh, really where the like the the money and where everything with sponsorships is at is in senior and pro. Um, so that's what I use. Like I focus on. Um, that's it's kind of been my like main goal of course it's cool to win youth tournament but in the end it won't really matter anything to me i see awesome so as far as a archer that is wanting to shoot pro one day what advice would you give them Mm, i would say you gotta have some you gotta have a commitment to your 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 practice you got you got to turn up to practice even those days where you don't want to practice. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, it's really easy to just stay home if you don't feel like it, but those days that you really don't want to practice is really those days where you, you can get that improvement and kind of overdo all the other competitors. Um, and that's where you gain that little advantage on people slowly. Uh, if you keep doing that all the year. Um, so just, I think showing up to practice is most important. Even if you just shoot 30 arrows, it's fine. You showed up and you got your routine in. And then I think if you just do that occasionally, it'll get easier and easier. And the days where you really don't want to practice get less and less, I guess, difficult to go. Dude, that's that's extremely good advice. That's a super recurring theme that I've had on the podcast is just show up, you know, and put in the work. And even if you don't feel like it, like you said, shoot 30 arrows and mm-hmm. go through your routine and mm-hmm. you might learn something very important. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I see, I see a lot of shooters um, also just practicing. Normally they shoot bad and then they're like, ah, oh, I don't want to practice anymore because I'm not shooting. I'm not shooting good. And I kind of had the like, the, like kind of reverse mindset. If I shoot bad, I, I keep shooting until I shoot good. I, I cannot go home, have that and have that bad feeling. And I think, that's kind of where I uh, I gained an advantage on most of my opponents. It's like I will keep being on the range. I'm like addicted to getting that good feeling, so I won't go home until it's until it's done. Um, which is kind of like a curse, but a blessing at the same time. You know, uh, yeah, it can be tough if you have a bad a bad uh, few weeks, uh, but in the end, it's. I think that's what you need to do to be the best. I love that. Yeah. I really think that um, you seem like a person that shoots a ton. So like how how much on an average day do you shoot and how often a week do you shoot? So I, I try to shoot every day pretty much. Um, one and a half year ago, I finished, uh, I guess that's kind of, we have a different school system here, but it would be high school in, in the States. Um so I finished that and then I went all in on Archer and seeing, a, seeing if I like could make it. Um, it's a bit difficult here because we don't have any uh, 
like funding. So we pay everything ourselves. Um, but I luckily had my dad supporting me a lot financially and then started shooting good. And, you know, I now I've been, it's like my, now it's like my real first season where I can like fully, fully do this kind of professionally. Um, so now I've put all, like every single hour since I graduated into, so I shoot every day, unless I have like a travel day, you know, or, I'm really sick or something. I'll not go, but um, I try to shoot every single day, like no days off. Uh, yeah, unless anything is hurting. And then, like arrow wise, I shoot indoors. I I shoot at least 240 a day. So like I'd say on average probably to 260 or 270 arrows a day. So I would say I'd say it's a lot. And then outdoors, I shoot a little bit more, like 280. Um, I'd Very say nice. it's a decent amount. You see, most most recurvers in general shoot a little bit more than compounders, and I think they shoot about three hundred, a little under three hundred, as far as I I've heard. So, right. So, as far as that equated in Vegas rounds, that's like eight Vegas rounds a day. Yeah, so, pretty much. And then the recurve guys, if they were shooting Vegas, it would mm-hmm. be like ten ten Vegas rounds a day. Yeah, probably. So, yeah. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. So. That is why you are where you are, a hundred percent. It's because you show up, and in your mind, it's like, oh, this is just what I do. It's not like mm-hmm. I have to go shoot. It's like, oh, I'm just shooting again. So, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I enjoy it. That's why I chose archery over golf. So I kind of remind myself that every day. Like I'm grateful for what I did and what I did to came to come here to this. Uh, part of my life and when I think back I'm 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 really I really don't like school I think a lot of people don't like it but like for me it was just it was like mentally draining shooting and going to school so when I finished mm-hmm. it was like every time I have like a I don't really want to go to a range I just think how how it would be going to school and then it's like, well archery is pretty fun then maybe go wow. down and shoot somewhere else I like that I I can definitely relate to that for sure so yeah. as far as getting your bow set up, what makes a setup shoot really well for you? And what variables are you looking at in your setup that affect how well it shoots the most? So um, let me take an example. If like I got a new bow, for example, I would you know, start by getting, getting, learning how the bow like works um, and everything, like how it feels. I'll get used to that first but when i have a bow set up that's working good i you know it's aiming good and everything really what kind of makes the difference in how good it shoots i feel like is is i really try to focus on you know arrow setup is really important for me um so when i when i start working on different arrow setups and like tuning my wrist i look at i shoot like a shot and i think okay where where was that gonna land i think okay that's maybe gonna land close to the center, but a little bit right. And if it lands there, it's perfect. But oftentimes you see it like a little bit off. And if I keep seeing that little bit off than what I think it's going to hit, usually there's something um, something going on. So I, that's pretty much how you would like determine accuracy on your bow, I feel like. So I guess you would call it group tuning. I do a lot of that, um, seeing what, what makes my bow shoot really good. Um, and then, I, of course, I do a little bit of paper tuning to make sure it's it's flying straight. Uh, you know, if you have an arrow that's not flying straight, 
if you make a mistake, it's gonna punish you even harder. So I think getting a bow set up that you know that groups and hitting uh, where you want it to. And then a big thing is a bow that, you know, helps you through those difficult shots. Uh, so if I have a difficult shot where my nerves are through the roof, I know my bow is going to help me through that. And just, it's going to feel, if I have a bow that's, you know, not feeling very good, it's going to punish me in those moments. But if I have a bow where I feel like everything is solid, you know, it'll, it'll help me do the best I can in those moments. I like that. Yeah, we haven't talked much about group tuning on the podcast yet. So um, for the listeners that don't know what group tuning is, uh, what is group tuning? I feel like you can do it in a couple of different ways. I'm not completely sure what the right um, outdoors. I like to sometimes put on like a like a strip of tape on the target. And first, like a vertical one or a horizontal one. Then I just aim at that on on 50 meters. Uh, and I, you know, I shoot after that. So it's only one axis. I can kind of focus on that only side by side. So I don't have to worry about, right. you know, anything else. And then I shoot and I know like how far there is from the highest arrow to the lowest arrow. And then I shoot a couple rounds of that, move my wrist a little bit side by side. And I, you know, I note every single inch i move it how much how big the groups are and then you'll see your groups getting like bigger or smaller it depends on where the rest is good you know and then when i find the spot where i have the the best grouping i put it vertically and i do the same thing i just focus on you know hitting that vertical line and then i move my wrist up and down and or i guess it's reverse i i move it left and right when it's vertical uh and then I see when my groups are the tightest. And then oftentimes when you find that, you know, the place where it uh, groups the tightest is where it's also doing like a bullet hole in the paper. Awesome. So everyone listening, if you've never group tuned before, a bullet hole is not the end goal. It, the end goal is to have tight groups. And to do that, you need to experiment and shoot shoot at the tape like Matthias said because i mean it like we've seen people like Paige pierce even um say that she's had a bullet hole and then she'll group tune it and it just looks terrible so mm -hmm. uh, as far as group size but anyway so I'd ahead. say i've had tournaments where i have a had like a bad i would say a bad tear but my bow was shooting good so i came to the tournament you know First tournament last outdoor season, I shot 717 on 50 meters, which is one point from the world record. It was awful, awful, awfully like not, I didn't paper test it at all. And it just shot great. And then a couple of tournaments later, I had one that made a bullet hole and I shot 717 again. So, you know, it it's not always, you can't really count on the paper. It has to be grouping well. Yeah. You, you If you, if you're in, you can always find good YouTube videos on how to group tune your bows on YouTube. So, and you probably made videos too about it, I'm guessing. Or Yes. Yeah. I would definitely, um, learn as much as you can on, um, group tuning for sure. Because, um, like Matthias said, like he's had a bow with a bullet hole and then a bow, a bow that he didn't even know. And they both shot the same score, like a seven seventeen, Like that's insane. 
<laughs> like yeah, one point true. from the record. That's, mm-hmm. that's incredible. So mm-hmm. and that's uh, like, I guess, 10 year old record now. It's crazy. Who set that uh, record? Is it Mikey? Brayden Bra- Bra- has it with a Matthews okay. a- Apex, I think. An Apex? Yeah. It's An crazy. Apex. That's that just shows that bows really, you know, it, you can shoot pretty much high scores with any equipment. But of course, if you get those new bows, it's going to be, you'll have a little bit of more forgiveness and stuff. Yeah, I would agree. And Apex, I, dude, that bow is like, mm-hmm. there's so much hand shock in those older bows, mm-hmm. man. It's insane. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Braden's a beast, by the way. So, so as far as um, variables, like things that you can adjust on your bow, what are things that you look at on your bow or in your form that most people probably aren't looking at, but you look at and they make some of the biggest differences for you? Um, like for like just equipment wise? Yeah, equipment or form. There's, there's a couple of small small things. I think one thing people are, I feel like gained me a little, at least outdoors 50 meters is not tuning. Shooting through paper, turning, if the if the bullet hole isn't perfect, just try turning the knock a little bit and it just makes the groups like, they can be tight, but you can make them even tighter by knock tuning. Uh, so I'd say knock tuning is a big one. And then playing a lot with your peep height and draw length and loop length that it, it does so much with how your bow aims. Um, like stabilizer setup is one thing, but I feel like peep height, draw length, and D-loop length is what makes the biggest difference in how your bow aims. Wow, this is huge. Um, I just had a podcast with Kyle Douglas, and he said the exact same thing. And um, Kyle, um, you know, here in the States, I mean, he's super dominant. and Amazing. Um, yeah, for sure unprecedented but like he's probably had the same stabilizer setup on mm-hmm. his bow from psc to bowtech he's had the exact same like weight combo and stabilizer setup for like over five years but mm-hmm. he'll play with his like you said draw length loop length and peep height constantly just to make sure that his bow is able to aim good so mm-hmm. and you yeah. see for example james lutz uh he shoots three ounce, two ounce on the front, I think, and a couple on the back. He has the lightest bow ever. I, yeah. I can I've tried it. It's horrible for me. But then you see Mike Slosser shooting 30 ounces on the front and 20 on the back, like insanely heavy, which I can't even shoot with either. So it's it's just like stabilized weight is very like it's if you get used to it, it's perfect. Like it's usually just your muscles gotta get used to it, and then no matter how it's kind of set up, it'll it'll do fine. Of course, there's yeah. a couple of basics that you need to have, but D-loop length, draw length, and peep height is really what's going to make the difference. For sure. Sometimes, if I have a bow that's doing a lot of dip bangs, I'll move my peep up a little bit, um, and that it helps like a huge amount. Um, small that's, things like that. That's the dip. Fa- that's the dip bang fix, everybody. Okay, you have to mm-hmm. move your peep up. Pretty much. I hope. I hope yeah. everyone moves their peep up. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah now you're gonna see it with yeah. high peeps <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but yeah i've personally i have found myself victim of having a peep that's too low often mm-hmm. and 
yeah, you're you're going to get a lot of like mm-hmm. creeping even and dip bangs. So mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like it, it if you look really like closely to how you're aiming, you can tell a lot about your setup. Like if I if I have a bow where the dot is going, it's staying pretty centered, but it's like jumpy, right? Mm-hmm. You're drawing this shoot is is too short, one hundred percent. And if you have a site that's like slowly moving, but it's moving a lot, then it's usually long. So it's like small things like that. You can kind of tell what you need to change. And I, I think the more you shoot it, the easier it's going to be to spot. Uh, at least in my experience, that's how it's been. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. That's huge. So looking at your sight picture and seeing what it's doing, studying your sight picture, and then making decisions based off that, whether it's long or mm-hmm. short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, just trying a lot of things. That's usually what, like, you know, when you have those three weeks or more off a tournament, you can really play with those kind of things. And, you know, it doesn't do any harm to to try it. You can always move it back. Um, so just try and move your peep higher. What, what does that do? Uh, maybe you're going to hit high a bunch and you can move it back down. You know, just playing a little bit with your cables on the draw length. Maybe a bow likes to be you know, more, if you turn, twist the cables more, you're going to like over rotate the cams. Maybe your bow shoots better like that. You, you never really know until you try and it's, it's so personal. So I think just trying a lot of random things, just it, it really, it can make that difference. Um, for sure. When you're in a tournament. Yeah. So for people that are hesitant with touching their bow or, trying different things out what advice would you give to them as far as how important it is to play with your bow so that you can learn what's working best for you yeah i'd say a lot of times like i've searched on youtube youtube has a bunch of like there's always going to be a person that tried something before you so you can learn from them or you can try yourself um but i'd say just try it as long as you know where it was before, you can always move it back, and you know it can only it can only get better. Really, that's uh, that's the thing. Yeah, that's that's great advice. So, um, I always say that to people: you can always move it back as long as you write down what it was at, right? Yeah, exactly. Or, or exactly. just remember. But yeah. So, um, what is your definition of the mental game? And what do you do to work on your mental game? Yeah, it's very different what people do. Um, very. Like my view on on like a mental game is there's not really, sorry, there's not really like a a lot of things to do about it. Um, like if you have a lot of ner- nerves at a tournament, there's it's kind of hard to like um, suppress it. Really, you can't really suppress nerves at a tournament. Um, so it's kind of like the mental game is trying not to think about the mental game. There's just like you and that. your bow. It's you against yourself. Um, you know, in the end, if if you you really like, um, if you're really nervous and you're trying to think about it a lot, you're really taking focus off your shooting, uh, where you really should be 100% in your just shooting. You know. Everyone is nervous, uh, no matter who it's going to be. Um, 
you you, you can ask every single pro they're going to say standing on that line in in Vegas in the shoot down there they're cooping their pants every single yeah. I can tell you that 100% that's kind of what I try to think about you know I'm I'm not the only one that's nervous um you know um there's really one only one thing I can do uh, which is to shoot how I do every day at practice um and that's why shooting a lot of arrows is so important and you know when I know I've done it 300 times a day every single day for the last few months I know it's just I've done all the work I can just shoot and see what happens um try to not think about it too much um of course there's I've been working a little bit like through my career on like breathing a lot like breathing breathing exercises while shooting which can help a little bit on nerves and like your um, heart rate um because essentially when when you're getting nervous your heart rate is going up and that's what's causing you to lose those few points sometimes um so also things like running um there's a bunch of physical stuff you can do to better your mental game essentially like running lowers your heart rate breathing lowers your heart rate um you know not drinking energy drinks before shooting um <laughs> so physically you, there's there's a lot of a lot of things you can do like physically to not improve your your mental game or your nerves uh, that's sure. what i try to do it's like uh yeah i try to maximize um you know my body yeah. So, a um, couple things there. Um, do you know? You know, obviously, who Jeff Rainey is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that guy drinks um, a Red Bull yeah. before every tournament. He's he's yeah, a crazy. nut. It is. Crazy. I mean, it will but, work for some people. I, I right. really like energy drinks too, and I drink them oftentimes before practice and stuff like that. And you know, he's probably used to it, so it exactly. probably it'll probably make him make him worse at a tournament if he doesn't do it um i can't say but you know for me mentally if i drink an energy drink before going into a round i'll maybe start thinking oh no my heart rate is going up or stuff like that but right for most people it would it would damage their score but um jeff has probably built different on on (laughs) built different for sure so yeah um in my personal experience, um, I remember it was the second day of Vegas, I think two years ago. It's the first time I ever went and I was shooting in the championship class and I got a, like a $1, um, coffee from the, the concession stand and I sipped on it. I literally sipped the coffee and I could tell that I sipped the coffee while I was shooting. I was like shaking more. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was like yeah. tingly. It was weird. So yeah, I especially if you're at a tournament where you're like super nervous, I would not mm-hmm. go in the no. cafe. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I've I've heard people also at practice drinking energy on purpose, energy drinks uh, or coffee a lot to kind of simulate what nerves feels like because it kind of gives the same feeling of you know shaking a little bit. Um, so I'd say if people try to drink energy drink to get nervous at practice it's maybe not a good idea to do it at a tournament that's interesting yeah i'm going to um take my pre-workout before i i shoot my mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. bow and uh 
you know how like some pre-workouts they like make you tingly and whatnot with yeah, the beta yeah. alanine yeah, yeah <laughs> you, you could do that but um mm-hmm. definitely don't do that at a tournament so but it'd be um, fun to see what what would happen if you if you did that you'll probably damage your score for sure but it would maybe simulate a little bit that feeling you never know yeah i mean we're we're going to have to like bring back some like archery fuel branding you know like hey here get this drink but Mm. anyway um there is a brand out there called shooter fuel and i think it has caffeine in it and i think it's maybe a little bit yeah maybe a little bit but nothing crazy Mm. so but anyway it would um, be it will also now talking about heart rate and stuff i i wish they would put um they used to do it for world archery world cups at one point put heart rate monitors on people that, that, I think that would be cool to do in like Vegas shoot down or wh- whatever tournament. I think it's like a cool element because maybe you're going to see one shooter that has like a low pulse and you're like, damn, I see yeah. this calm right now. And then you'll see another shooter like really nervous and it's it's going to add a little bit of excitement, you know? Oh, for sure. Like if you could see that live and, and mm-hmm. then like yeah, you could do a video replay, awesome. that would be incredible. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I usually you're listening to that. Um, I sometimes wear like a uh, Apple Watch when I'm shooting, so I can yes. see my pulse at tournaments too and stuff like that. But I'll see some tournaments I'm more nervous than other ones. Um, I don't really know why. Sometimes your mental game is just better on it on the day. Sometimes you're just more nervous. Um, it's kind of strange, but yeah, I'm sure you could go pretty deep into that um, as, mm-hmm. as far as why. But mm-hmm. I've yeah. also tried like noting what I ate when I shot good and stuff like that to see if I could like replicate it. Um, sometimes it's sometimes it works and sometimes it it don't. I, I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, yeah. But as far as food and and drinks, I think staying hydrated and not being like uh, hungry and stuff like that helps a lot. For sure. For sure. So, um, as far as like lowering your heart rate, do you, um, like, do you run a lot? Not a lot, but I, I at least, you know, get my heart rate up every day. Um, I usually go to the gyms pretty, the gym pretty often. Um, I used to be very skinny, so I kind of had a little disadvantage. Um, not that I'm big now, but. You know, I'm still skinny, but I'm trying. Uh, I definitely gained a lot of strength, you know, so I could get more holding weight and stuff like that, which was a big part. And then I recently, like half a year ago, started running and biking and stuff like that, just cardio um, to, you know, maximize my advantage pretty much. You know, I can only do do so much at the range, but there's more stuff I can do off the range. Um, So I'll do everything to gain that one one point maybe um and i feel like definitely i feel like sometimes it would help it has it has it has helped me like being nervous i feel like i've been a little more calmer these last few tournaments uh, but maybe that's just you know placebo or um, i can't really say yet but uh, i'm gonna keep right keep doing cardio and see if it it makes a big difference at some point for sure. Yeah. Um, personally, I, I've been strength training a lot and I have not, my step count's terrible. Um, right now it's like seven, 
five to seven thousand a day but um yeah as far as um cardio like i i personally would benefit i would probably see a huge benefit so mm-hmm. yeah yeah so if anyway. you do it in the long run it'll definitely be a benefit yeah Just, and, and that's the thing that is you know thing. if you're if your resting heart rate is at 90 uh or like when you're shooting if it's at 90 and you're maybe gaining i don't know when you're nervous and you're at a tournament you're on 130 maybe heart rate uh bpm and then if you have like a resting heart rate at 50 you know it's only going to go up to maybe close to 100 so you're going to have have a big advantage there um 40 percent lower heart rate yeah that's huge for sure I've, uh, I know Stefan Hansen also used to run a lot, and I think he he said, I think he still does, um, and he he said it it definitely helped him in those high pressure situ- situations. Yeah, I can imagine like if you have also great lung capacity, um, and let's say breathing is a big part of your shot. Maybe on some of your shots towards the end of your shot, you might have, you know, just a little bit more strength in your bow. And in your expansion mm-hmm. to um, get through your shot, so mm. there's also um, I do take like uh, creatine, which actually yes. helps with um, you know you get like um, when you you do exercise or shooting for a long time, you get uh, like uh, um, the assets start going into a muscle, and you got start what, what do you call it when it like burns lactic acid. Um, yeah, lactic acid enters your muscle, um, and it makes you shake essentially. So uh, there's studies on creating, like delaying that process. So essentially, when you're shooting, you should be starting to see those shakes coming later if you're on creatine. Um, nice. And I, I feel like when I've, you know, been in the gym and stuff and taking creatine, it's I could feel it a little bit in my shooting, and that might be placebo, but I would rather have that placebo than not having it. You know. Yeah, for sure. So, do you do you just take a scoop a day, essentially? Uh, I think it's three grams a day, and three then grams, okay. when I'm not really doing tournaments, I don't do it. I think I read something about you know taking taking breaks on it is good. It has like a you know the effect goes less and less the more you do it, and then you know kind of going off it and then starting again. I see. Very nice. Yeah, I, I take um, a scoop in my pre-workout every mm-hmm. time I go to the gym. I go like four days a week. So, but that's mm-hmm. that's huge. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I I read those studies and I was like, damn, the, I'll try that. You know? Yeah. So, um, what bow are you shooting right now? So I'm shooting the PSE Dominator Duo, forty inch with SE cams. Um, okay. I'm also testing the new PSE Supra X they just released, which yes. feels really, really good. Um, you know, I've just been a role uh, with the Dominator, so that's kind of what I'm just sticking with now. Uh, you know, that's their um, that's they they still sell that bow, even though the Supra they kind of have two bows PSE. Um, so that's just my preference right now, the Dominator. Yeah, for sure. So, um, why the SC cam? Uh, a lot of people choose the M2. It's a little bit faster and stuff like that. Um, but I think I've just, I 
shot the PC Perform X with the SE cams, and I just really like them. Uh, you know, they're very easy to draw, and I can shoot a lot of arrows with them without getting tired. I think I I draw pretty, have a pretty low draw, draw length. I think I draw a little over 30 inches. So I'm like right in the middle of that cam, which should be like the best, um, you know, the best place for the cam to be. Um, where if I took the M2, I would be a little higher in the draw length of, of the cam. So essentially I should be getting the most out of the SE cam, which I think what is why it's shooting so good. Um, and I, I just stuck with it. If, if it's not broke, then don't fix it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So um, is there any new technology on the Supra cam or the Supra? Um, so they have changed the grip, which I really like. You can now, uh, you know, do angles on the grip like you can on Hoyt, for example, also does it, I know, um, which is a really nice feature. You can, you can customize it a little bit more. Um, you know, every hand is different. And I feel like the more you can like, adjust your bow to yourself, the essentially the more comfortable you can get it. Um, there's just a bunch of great features um, on the bow. Um, especially I like uh, the cam system. You can move the cam so easy now. Yes. Uh, like when day you used to almost, you could take all off the limbs and it took like, could take like 20 minutes easily. Now it takes 20 seconds and you've moved the cam and you can go on with your practice and get a lot more out of your training and tuning. Yeah. Um, so just things that make shooting the ball a lot more comfortable and just uh, the experience shooting PC is so good for me. Um, I've been loving it ever since I bought my first one. Awesome. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit more about that uh, spacer system where you don't have to take the um, like Eclipse off the ends. Yeah. So um, it used to be a small spacers where you had like a, a rod going through them and you had to take the limbs off essentially to move them. Now it's EC220 system, they call it, um, which is basically like you have like a, a tool you can clip on uh to the spacers and you can like take them in and out um just it's super easy it's like uh you know i don't know what i would compare it to um it just clicks in and out and it sits in place uh, a lot of yeah. people was kind of worried that it would fall out mid shot but there's no absolutely no issues with them and you know it just made everything very a lot easier um you get you get like different sizes. So there's one small, and you can get one that's you know bigger on one side and smaller on the other side, and you can kind of move the cam that way. Um, Very nice. Yeah, so, super easy. Is there any advice or comments that you have for the audience um, as far as just getting the most out of archery? Uh, learn from your mistakes is the biggest one. Uh, you know. If you don't learn, you're not going to get better. So I think if you go to shoot tournaments or you just at practice, you know, when you make a mistake, you got to kind of analyze it and see what 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 would make that shot be better or this situation or how would, could I change my form to not make that this mistake next time. Um, I think it's the, the biggest advice I could give give them. That's what I do every single tournament. I, I, I do, I take notes. Um, kind of see what could I done better and what was good um, to kind of look back on. Awesome. So I'd say the biggest mistake you can do is not learning from your mistakes. 
for sure. Well, um, where can people find you on social media? So you can find me on Facebook and Instagram on Matthias Fullerton. That's my ad. So yeah, just my name. Awesome. Okay. Well, um, this has been a great podcast and I will definitely like to see you on in the future. So um, I will definitely um, get some questions from the viewers over to you if they have any questions about your setup. And um, yeah, if you, if you want to follow Matthias, just go um, click the link below this podcast or video and you can check out his stuff. So yeah, thanks for having me. No problem, man.